Hello everyone and welcome back to the Rainbow Dice Club. We are an LGBTQ2IA plus actual play D&D podcast coming to you from wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Lex, my pronouns are they, she, and I am the dungeon master for our campaign. I am joined by our four rabble rousers who may introduce themselves. Hello. My name is Ariana. My pronouns are she, her. I play Alara Spinnelspark, whose pronouns are she, her, and I am drinking tea all the time, every time. Hello, I am Supriya or Zoop. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Zebo, whose pronouns are also she, her, and I think that Coke still has cocaine in it. <laughs> God, I wish. On that note, my name is Dusty. My pronouns are she, they. I play Ivy Nightbreeze Tinkerfay. Her pronouns are she, her. And I just love Basil. I love my father. Hello, everyone. My name is Wayra. My pronouns are she, they. And I play Varys, whose pronouns are he, they. Today's episode includes consumption of alcohol and intoxication, emotional distress, heights and falling, nightmares, ostracism, profanity, reference to sexual preference, romantic relationships, and sex work, and reference to drug use. Last time, the Unusual Order got ready for their first real sleepover in Ivy's childhood bedroom. They all met Ivy's mom, Vassell, and Ivy received a very nice short sword from her father. As they all talk with Basil over dinner, it was revealed that he knew the mysterious Avant Heart from his time in Oria, and that Avant Heart was more than just an interplanar traveler, but was also a thief. Alara trusted Basil with helping her with some of her projects. You guys are all still sitting at the dinner table with Basil Nightbreeze after he dropped the absolute bombshell that this person, Avant Heart, whose journal Alara has been carrying around for the past two months is somebody who basically ripped apart Basil's entire life and forced him out of the country and out of the world. Does he look like this? As she points to the picture of Alessandro Delange. He looks at the at the picture again and he goes, Well, I mean, he he's an elven person, so I mean they kinda the ears are right. I mean eyes are violet in color. Well maybe. I mean I thought he had blue eyes. I mean, it's been, I, I didn't, Ziva says very confidently, eye color cannot change. <laughs> There's side eyes, Ivy. <laughs> this person looks familiar. I'll say that the, the drawing looks familiar, but I, I'm not certain. Granted, it's been, what year was it in Aurea? 645. I left, I, I left somewhere around, I think it was like 370 or 375. Can I? Entirely certain? I ask something sure how many planes are there infinite okay i was gonna start by saying that i know that there's the feywild and then there's a place called the nine hells but there used to be portals in oria to all over an the place infinite number of planes i mean well, I didn't know of infinite portals, but like, basically, until you can prove that there aren't infinite portals, there's infinite portals. But so you think that Avantart got in with the current president at the time? I have no idea if he's with the current president, but he was, oh, of the time, yes. yes. Well, I, I meant at the time, yeah, and, sta and, and started this whole um, 
this whole thing to to close all the portals? Well, Avant, one of his things was he was very keen on the idea of keeping things contained. He often would reference how they were being followed or things like that, and they didn't want to they wanted to make sure that things were being contained. Well, that's what I was going to say. It sounds like he was uh, some sort of a lawbreaker. Maybe people from other planes were trying to get him for the laws that he was breaking. I mean, very, very possible. He was a terrible person, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him to have broken laws in other planes and been jumping around to try and avoid capture. I wonder what was in these first 20 pages. That are ripped out. Probably shit about where he came from. Do you think that this is the original journal of his? Or do you think... I I mean, I think it was the original of when he... Would I... Okay, would I be fair to assume from from what I read that it was the first... It was the beginning talks of when he first came to our material plane? Yes. Okay. Looking at the age of the actual book itself, you'd be able to tell that this, this book, like the actual physical book, is hundreds of years old like the leather is cracking and some points are kind of flaking off as you continue talking with basil he kind of stands up and stretches across the table and grabs the carafe of elven wine and pours himself a hearty glass okay but i guess we don't know that he is still around we just we found his journal and essentially well if you come across him you know I would strongly encourage you to run the other way. It's not worth it. I'm going to smack him with my sword. Ivy, please don't. Is he like dangerous in like the way Alessander is dangerous or is he dangerous and like he will murder us dangerous? I don't have any frame of reference for that. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know who this Alessander is. Well, he wasn't like murdering. Is he is he dangerous in the way that the Nightbreeze family is dangerous or infinitely worse? When I left, he was much more on par with the Nightbreeze family. I can't, if he's still around, who knows where he might be now. He might be dead. Uh, yeah, God's hoping, God's willing that he might, that he's dead. That'd be wonderful. I can't imagine that he'd let his journal just kind of like out of sight, like his personal diary. Yeah. And like, where, where is he? If he's still alive and was so uh, about closing portals and the wonder the Feywild is open and there was a portal to the Nine Hells in the mines. <laughs> that portal's honestly near impossible to shut, so. There's a way we could check. Check what? What if he was on the mountain? And he went kablooey? You know what? Maybe you did obliterate him as an infant, <laughs> you know? I think that would have been a wonderful way for him to go. Just completely obliterated. No thoughts it's possible, I guess. I mean, his journal was in Dragon's Nest, right? However, paper is flammable? No, no, no. I mean, it had to have come from another Nishadi order, had to have been brought to Dragon's Nest. Maybe. No, there's a way to find out if he's still around. How? How? I mean, you need access to scrying magics, but there's a way. Do you have any access? Do you have access to scrying magic? I do not. Nope. Titania has scrying magic. So, Titania does, but she you kind of have to know the person. Mm -hmm. she, I doubt she knows them. Or a vague description of them. You need to be familiar. It works better the better you know the person. Indeed. Um, if he was as much of a problem as you say he was, she might know him. You can always ask. I, I stay away from the courts as much as I can. Titania kind of lets me stay away as much as I'd like. My wife is more of the uh, face of this relationship. I'm more 
focused on working rather than talking with people. Does she always refer to people as things? Who? Your wife. Oh, well, no, no. Um, Vassell, she's, you have to remember Vassell is an immortal being that she t tends to forget the niceties that are necessary for interacting with other people. I don't know if you've heard, but I blew up a mountain as an infant, so... Potato, potato. Fair enough. Um, as you guys finish up dinner, what would you guys like to do? Do you want to head to bed for the night? Is anybody staying up to work on anything? I think that we'll um, go to go up to Ivy's room, I guess. Yeah. I will say I'll leave Basil the my schematics and plans for the project and whatever notes and stuff I have. And I'll give him one of my like exoskeletons that I've been working on just and be like, just don't break it. I mean, if you do, I have another prototype, so it's not the end of the world. Um, but anything you can offer, I would be extremely grateful. I'll do my best. Thank you. That's all I can offer. Ivy, I'm going to take a look at this geode as well. Don't break it. Again, absolutely no promises. Okay. <laughs> uh, do you all go to bed? Oh, yes. You know what? We go up to Ivy's room. We go up to my room. First off, I look at Varys and Ziva and I go, okay, so we are going to meet Titania tomorrow, all of us. And I... Do I tell her my name or not? She will already know it. So I don't tell her because it's a trick if she asks. It's not a trick. She's a deity. She doesn't... So I do tell her if she asks. Yes. People say, may I have your name? No. Correct. And people say, may I know your name? Absolutely. And she's already going to know your name anyways. It's all in the semantics. As you guys are settling in upstairs, Ivy, you hear a, a small knock at the door. She goes, she goes and opens the door. You see the head of the kitchen staff at your door holding a tray filled to the brim with all sorts of different desserts and snacky things. Aww. For our slumber party. And they look at you and they just go, your father said you're having a slumber party. This is all I thought you needed, but let me know if you need more, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great night. Do you use these vittles to feed the monsters? No, they're for, I mean, do you consider, they're, no, they're for us. Okay. They're for the monsters in our tummies. I think Alara is sitting at the bay window, eating sweets. I think Varys is sitting there bringing his hair, but getting up out of the way. She'll look at Ziva's braid and then she'll notice Varys braiding their own hair and just be like, did you, uh, did you braid Ziva's hair too? I, yes, I did. Um, Where did you learn how to braid so nicely? Um, I used to braid, um, we used to braid my little sister's hair all the time. Oh, I didn't know that you had siblings. I think I just assumed that we were all only children. Oh, I had, um, I had four siblings. Amara looks at Ivy and just with like mouths the word had. It's like I had four siblings. The youngest one I was closest with. Had? Um, yes, had. Okay. One of them I haven't seen in about six years, I believe, and the other three are dead, so. Oh. Oh, it's not, nothing tragic. It's quite all right. I've made my peace with it. Oh, I was going to say, were, were they like, like how it's okay my mom's dead? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm sorry that your siblings are dead. Or maybe congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations? Sorrigations? I feel 
as though perhaps this is a subject I should not have said anything to, about. No, no, we, I mean, I apologize for my insensitivity. No, I think you were the most on brand um, with, with the whole situation, to be honest. How about we circle back to this conversation at a later date? Or never, absolutely. <laughs> no, we're circling back. We're circling back. All right. Ziva writes it in her. Varys has sibling issues. And she pats Varys' knee. Uh, she goes, so Titania, it's going to be a little weird. And Lara can attest to that. She's very tall. Very tall. Very imposing. Hmm. But she's she's very nice. She's very nice. She is a deity. So I guess kind of keep that in mind. I don't really know how tomorrow's going to go. It's going to go. But don't be surprised if when we see people, they don't take kindly to me. Cool? Sure. When you say don't be surprised, do you also mean don't kick them in the balls? No. I 100% mean that. I have ball bearings. It's fine. We just throw So them. we're just going to chuck ball bearings at everyone? Wait, you 100% mean kick them in the balls, or you 100% no, please don't kick them in the balls? Please don't attack people in this in this place. Please don't attack people in this place. If but if you do it like nonchalantly, then it's it's okay because they really don't know. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't nonchalantly kick people in the balls. No, not kick people in the balls. I meant throw ball bearings at them. Nonchalantly. Fine. That's fine. I have a lot of them. As long as you're not, like, you know... Actively. Actively... Assaulting. Kicking people in the balls. What if I make it sound like they farted and then make a lot of fun of them? Oh, you can make it seem like they've soiled the pants if you want. And then make a lot of fun of them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just, just clarifying what the rules are. Oh, of course. We're just spitballing here, you know. Coming up with ideas. Oh, spitballs. Are those allowed? Oh, sure. Oh my god, I have and I pull out a straw. <laughs> and on that note, I think it's time for bed. Ziva chooses the jackalope and the stuffed animal of a furry creature that has spines, but also like leaves coming out of the tail and crawls into bed. Mm -hmm. Alara posts up in the bay window, baby. As the night kind of wears on and people start to kind of make their way to sleep, you hear a, a t another rap at the door. Who who would open the door? Ivy, one hundo. You see your father standing there, and he goes, "Ivy, I just wanted to have a moment with your with your friend over there." Which one? Your friend Varys. I need to need to speak with them. Okay. Sure. Um and. Yeah, she moves out of the way. Would you mind just coming? Why don't you come downstairs with me briefly? I'll be back, probably. She, he looks at Ivy for guidance. <laughs> she shrugs, rolls her eyes. All right, I'll be back. You follow Basil downstairs and he kind of has you sit down in, in this little study area with these armchair, these large plush armchairs. And he kind of sits and he faces you and kind of leans in and he goes, so I got some vibes that you and my daughter have gotten to be, get to know each other pretty well. Is that right? He's, he kind of sits forward in the chair a little bit and looks at Basil like, yes, I would say so. I 
would be remiss if I didn't check in with you. I, I am her I am her father. What exactly are your intentions with my daughter? Oh boy. That's uh, <laughs> all he's thinking. <laughs> I he's like oh in his head he's going, I would never have thought this is ever going to happen in my life. Oh my god. Um <laughs> he looks at him. He's just like, um, to be her friend? As long as, as long as it stays like that, we're okay. Oh, yes, of course. She's not- I have to keep an eye out. You know she's- I have to- Oh, I love my daughter! She's fucking gay as hell and I love it! Oh, yes, okay. I was just making sure you knew she was a lesbian and it's- <laughs> You can't go through life thinking that- No, no. You and Ivy are going to be a thing because- I am- You're not her type. It has never been more clear to me in my entire life it is made, it, she has made it abundantly clear without any prompting that she is not <laughs> interested. I just, you know, you see a, a man or a masculine presenting person spending time with your daughter and getting close with them. You worry, especially when you know that your daughter is a lesbian. Oh. I understand completely. Okay, okay. So he kind of like stops and he like shot, he like nods his head and he goes, you can kind of tell he's a, he had a little too much elven wine. He's definitely a little bit tipsy, if not a little drunk. And he, he looks at you and he just goes, we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. Your intentions are clearly pure. I'm not going to say that I trust you with my daughter because quite honestly, I think my daughter needs, would have to take care of you more than, than anything because she is a very capable young lady. Indeed she is. Well, I'm glad we cleared the air. I hope you have a wonderful night. Me as well. I love your sight. <laughs> and he doesn't even walk you back upstairs. He just like walks away from you. Like he just, he like ends the conversation and Basil walks away. Ah, he's like, ah, that's where she gets it from. Also, the unprompting conversations. <laughs> so he takes a moment to collect himself. Evaluate what just happened. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? And he gets up. He's like, he's literally had conversations with people where it's like their wives walk in after they, someone's asked for his service. Like, there's, he's had all kinds of scenarios. This is not one of them that he's used to. <laughs> so he heads upstairs and he... Taps on the door for Ivy's room. She opens the door. He looks as red as his hair. He looks pink as his hair. <laughs> um, closes the door and looks mortified. What did he say to you? Oh God, I don't want to talk about it. Your father gets weird when he drinks. Um, okay, now I need to know what he said to you. Now Alara's tuned into the conversation. <laughs> Babe, I'm going to bed. <laughs> Does he want to talk to Alara next? I would, what's... Nope, just just me. <laughs> okay. Your father was concerned that I didn't know that you were lesbian. I'm pretty sure it's written on my forehead. I, you know, that's what I thought as well. He was concerned that I did not have the purest intentions. Huh. Uh-huh. Wild. He's an interesting man. Yes, I don't, I genuinely don't think he knows what to do with the fact that I have friends. <laughs> I know. He's, a, he's sweet. And he thinks the world of you, and I like that. He's he's a wild individual. <laughs> Alara, you're in the bay window, right? Mm -hmm. Are you facing outside? Are you looking inside? I think I'm looking. Yeah, I think I would be looking out the window because she likes to be outside. So being having like the window open um, and seeing the sky and everything would be nice. Okay. Well, you're looking outside, and the villa or the side of the villa that you're on 
overlooks kind of the outside of the city. You see the beauty of the Feywild really for the first time. You see a lot of the brightness of some of the uh, nighttime flowers that start to shine in the dark in reaction to the moonlight or in reaction to just the dark. You hear the sound of different animals outside, but I do want you to make a quick perception check for me, if you don't mind. That's an 18. I don't have a zero. I have a zero to... With an 18, you notice that very far away, you can hear some of the cawing of different birds as they signal the end of their morning morning time or daytime routine. You hear some of the owl creatures starting the nighttime watch, essentially. But you also notice that about five, ten feet away from the window is a small collection of fireflies and butterflies that kind of flit back and forth around near the near the window. They don't fully approach you. They don't get close enough to be like within arm's reach of you. But they're also clearly not afraid of you. They're not coming closer the way that some bugs would be enticed to come closer due to the the light source or the promise of some kind of food or water. It's almost, I want you to make an insight check. 17. It's almost like they're watching someone. Okay, so I'll I'll be like, um, I won't look away. I think I'll do that thing where you like put your hand behind you and you start like, you know, trying to like, like I'm trying to get everyone's attention and I'll be like, um, uh, Varys, Ivy, Ziva, uh, weird stuff happening out here. Bugs. Mm-hmm. Ivy walks over. Didn't you guys say something was following you or tracking? Yes, the bugs and the birds were. Mm-hmm. Well, did they look like that? He looks over the window. You can make a pers- you can make a uh, an insight check, I guess. I don't know why I don't remember that. I have a plus zero to insight every time. It's 17. Oh, I also got a 17. Hey! Three 17s! So, Varys, <gasps> you would realize that it's very similar to the way that some of those bugs were following you before the group settled in, and Ivy with a 17 as well, you would recognize that that is absolutely not normal for the Feywild, the way that they're acting, at least not for them to do that normally or in like a natural sort of setting. They are acting outside of their their intended role. Can we tell who they're following? Where they are right now, not necessarily, because they're not coming inside and you guys aren't moving. Ivy moves around and like pushes Varys a little bit <laughs> to see if they like track one of us. They don't react. They're watching. They're still most of them are still kind of flitting around with one or two at a given time standing staying eerily still in that kind of hovered frozen state. This is kind of like the birds, right? That we accidentally killed because we thought that they were mechanized. Mm-hmm. Mine wasn't an accident. <laughs> he steps in front of Ziva. The one dragonfly that's kind of standing still moves upwards. I think they're watching Ziva. Ivy closes the curtains. Well, is that um, is that a bad thing that we led them here? No, this place is it's very guarded. It would take so much magic to get through. Okay, but it's kind of alarming, right? That they are uh, oh, very Ziva. Okay, cool. So we'll just go to sleep, I guess. Like I said, it would take so much magic to get through the barriers that are put up at night. You guys go to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay, as you all drift off into sleep or into your uh, trances, Varys, I need you to make a wisdom save for me. <sighs> okay. 
Where is my wisdom? Oh, Jesus. Ten? With the ten, you don't realize that this is a dream. You fall asleep, and then seemingly a moment later, you're standing, you're standing in front of a room of people, all of whom you've seen before, and you know that all of them are dead. You are standing there, and you look down at your hands, and these are not Varys's hands. You feel the hair, you look at it, that's not Varys's hair. And you look at these people around you, they're just all watching you from a distance. It's almost as though anytime you try and walk in one direction or another, they, their eyes follow you, but their heads never move. Like you're constantly being watched. There are people in this crowd that mean more to you than others. You see the faces of people who meant nothing. They were just a job. And then you see others that meant everything. And they may have also been a job, but it meant more. Is there anything that you would do as you're standing in front of this crowd of people in this bare, empty space with nowhere necessarily to go, yet nothing chasing you? If he puts his hand to his face, does he feel the scars? Yes. Okay. He looks around at them all, takes in every one, every group, every face, nodding quietly. What do you want? Not a single one of them ever responds to you. And even though you never see anybody moving, if you are walking around this large group of people, you never see them move, but you can feel that their eyes never leave you. They don't look at you with malice or with joy. They look at you as almost emotionless husks of the people they used to be, staring at you and never blinking. I'm going to let you just enjoy that. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Yep. <laughs> Ziva, can you make a wisdom save for me? That's a six. I don't know I'm in a dream. You don't know you're in a dream. Hey, Ziva. <gasps> Are you ready for the performance tonight? You see little Bettina running up to you, excited, her body healed and back to how she was before. Yeah. Absolutely. We're gonna, it's gonna be so great. Let's test out some routines. Yeah, let's do it. You go over and you start working the drills where you're, you're stretching out and you're getting limber and then starting the different routines using the hoop and then using the silks. Uh, Bettina breathing in every ounce of wisdom that you give her as you're teaching her these different skills. I want you to make an insight check. That is a 12. With a 12, you kind of get this vague feeling of deja vu. As you look around yourself, you also notice that you're in a, you're not in Dragon's Nest. You're not in one of the one of your recent towns. This is like in a place where one of the first places that you and Bettina started working together when your friendship really started. And she is she starts doing one of the one of the silk tricks where, you know, she's hoisting herself up in the air using the aerial silks. And she's wrapping the silks around her in a way to try and fall down in, in a controlled manner. And as she does so, I need you to make a survival check for me. That is a 16. Beautiful. With that, you are able to look up and you see that there's something not right about the way that this silk has been wrapped around her. She's done it wrong. And with that, you're going to get advantage on this next roll. She goes to kind of pull the silk and fall down in that controlled, really flourished manner of the performance. 
and she falls out of the silk to the ground. I need you to make a dexterity save to try and catch her. And you can do that with advantage. That's a 19. 19. You rush underneath her and catch her as she falls to the ground as you bear her weight and make sure she's okay. And she collects herself. Bettina looks up at you, looks at you. You put her down and she looks at you and she just goes, she hugs you as tight as she can. And she goes, I knew you'd never let me get hurt, Ziva. Of course not. And I'm gonna let you sit with that one. Wait, do I have the memory of what I've done to her? Yeah, uh, no, you don't. But when you wake up, you will. Oh, okay. Yeah, in that moment, you don't. Alara and Ivy, you guys sleep through the night, untouched by the nightmares. You guys all wake up in the morning. What do you all want to do? I think she's been out of her trance for a while and just kind of like soaking up the feeling of all this love around her. And I think she gets up out of bed after a while, basically half forcing herself to, and goes over to one of the drawers in her desk and tries to very quietly pull it open. But it's like crickety. And it hasn't been opened in so long. It sort of like squeals a little bit. Uh, And she's like, shh. And she pulls out this binder and dusts it off and opens up a page. And it's a journal that she's kept when she was in therapy. It's a therapist mandated book where she basically was supposed to write letters to Beatrice. And she wrote like maybe one or two before blowing it off. But I think now she goes and sits on the other side of the windowsill because that bench is pretty big. And she starts writing a letter to Beatrice for the first time in a really, really long time. What is that? letter look like? I think it looks something to the effect of, my dear Beatrice, I'm sorry that I haven't written in so long and I'm sorry that it still hurts to think of you, but I've met these people that I think you would absolutely love. These people have become close to me, almost as close as you and I were, but obviously different. And I think that if you were still around, you would be just as close with them as I am. And she pauses and looks over at Alara, who's sleeping still, like, right in front of her, and continues, I think that you would get the biggest joy out of Alara's personality and just how happy she is, even when she's not happy. She's brilliant and incredibly kind, even if she doesn't think she is all the time. And then she'll look over at the cuddle pile and laugh a little bit to herself and go, And then there's Eva, who is the purest soul in this world. She is so genuine in her emotions and in her actions, and she just makes you want to be a better person. She's incredibly powerful, and she doesn't use it for anything other than to protect her friends. And then there's Varys. Varys is a little bit harder of a nut to crack, but I think you would have fun terrorizing him. I think the two of you would have had the most insane skills off, or however you put that. I think you would run each other into the ground, and it would be the greatest thing that ever happened to the two of you. And I think... I think if I could have one more day with you, it would be with them as well. So, yeah, I can't promise that I'll write to you more. I can't promise that it will ever stop hurting thinking about you. But... I can promise that every moment I share with them, I know in my heart that you would share them too. I think at some point while 
Ivy is journaling. Alara wakes up, but she doesn't move. She just kind of watches Ivy do her journaling. I think that's when she's writing that every moment I spend with you, I look up and see Alara quickly. Alara will just like close her eyes really quickly um, <laughs> and try to like pretend that she's still sleeping. Then she goes, I know that she'd be spending those moments with me too. So I think Siva probably wakes up first. The first thing she does is kind of feel the stuffed animals that she surrounded herself with. Then she kind of like wakes up and she looks around and she sees that Varys and Alara are still asleep and Ivy is writing. I think she gets out of bed to give Ivy the time that she needs to recognize that someone else is awake. She kind of wanders around the room for a little while and stares at like at some of the paintings around the room and touches various things. She kind of pads over once she feels like Ivy's got a good grasp on the fact that she's awake and able to intrude in her personal space. She moves over to Ivy. What's she writing? She goes, oh, um, it's just... She thinks about it for a moment. She wants to think about whether or not she wants to be that vulnerable. And she goes, I'm just writing a letter to Beatrice, actually. That's a good idea. I'm sure that she's happy to hear from you. And when Ivy gives her a look that's like, did you miss the whole conversation where she's not around anymore? No, I mean, she's always with you even if she's not here. And it's nice to remind her that you think of her so actively. I don't really write letters to the core four, but think it'd be a good way to remember them until I get to see them again. What was she like? Ivy thinks about it for a moment and um, she pats the space next to her on this giant window bench thing. Does Ziva... Mm-hmm. So when Siva sits next to her, she wraps a blanket around the both of them and goes, she was sunshine incarnate. So while this is going on, uh, Varys, are, are you awake? Yeah, I think uh, I, th- I think he woke up at the very start of Ziva and Ivy's conversation and just keeps his eyes shut to listen and just have a moment for a little while longer and get his bearings back. And she smiles a little bit. She goes, she was my complete opposite in almost every way. She was an overachiever. She excelled in everything that she could possibly ever do. She was happy all the fucking time, even when she should have been sad. She was the perfect golden child. And when she chose me, I was flawed. And at the same time, it made complete and total sense. I never spent a day without her. Even if it was just for a few minutes, even if I just looked out my window and saw her, she was always there. And so when she left, it was, it was, it was, you know? While Ivy is describing Beatrice, Ferris cracks an eye open and just side glances over at Alara a little bit and looks back at Ivy and this really pays attention to these descriptions. She must have been kind too. Oh, she was so kind. She was, she was kind even when she shouldn't have been. Even when she was verbally slapping you in the face, she was kind. Then I don't think that you were as opposite as you're saying. Kind recognizes kind. Well, I think she, she helped 
make me this way. Well, then she sounds like someone I would have loved to meet. And I think she would have loved to meet you, too. I think you would have gotten on like a house fire. Siva seems confused by that statement. <laughs> While this cute and touching moment is playing <laughs> out, um, Alara, are you waking up, actually? No. I... Or are you still just feigning sleep? I don't think she's feigning sleep. I think she's laying there, probably tearing up a little bit, hearing Ivy talk about Beatrice. She doesn't really have anything to say, so she's just going to kind of stay where she's at and listen to their conversation. Do you have a picture of her? I do. Yeah, I do. And she gets up and she walks over to the same rickety drawer and just yanks it open now. <laughs> it makes this loud, awful screeching noise as she pulls it, but she pulls out a couple portraits, some that were obviously done by her, so not great, but then others that were done <laughs> by like professional people. And the one that she pulls out and brings over and puts in your hands is one of the two of them. Beatrice is in what appears to be orange and yellow like workout clothes. And she's a summer ladron. So she's got the yellow skin and the yellow hair. And Ivy is in a skirt and a nice top. And they're just like sitting there together talking. And she hands it to Ziva and she goes, uh, this is um, what we both looked like on most days. What was her favorite flower? It was a daisy. And Ziva pauses for a second to look over the painting and seems to be memorizing Beatrice. And then she says, she didn't mean to leave you. I'm sure you'll see her again. Do you think it's okay if I feed Starburst from the pantry? Yes, um, yes. There are some, there's like a, a thing of oats in the top right corner if you want to grab that. All right, I'll be back soon. Okay. And uh, Ziva heads out. As Ziva walks out and closes the door behind her, Ivy kind of laughs and goes, I know you two are awake. <laughs> <laughs> So we swing downstairs and we follow Ziva. She makes her way to the kitchen. Tell me what you're going to do. Uh, she will follow directions and try to figure out where the corner on the right is and uh, eventually finds oats and then heads out. Uh, is, is there anybody in the kitchen? There is one uh, one member of the kitchen staff who's come in early to start making some breakfast. And um, as you're kind of hurriedly looking around, I, they would point they would point you in the direction of the, the cabinet on the right. Ziva will two finger salute on her way <laughs> out the door. So you make your way outside and Starburst is still loyally there. He's been in this little clearing next to the house sorry next to the villa it's not a house it's a fucking mansion he trots right over to you and just kind of looks at you expectantly i brought you some oats he again just kind of looks at you and in your mind you hear him go oats and she it didn't grab a bowl or anything so she just opens the sack of oats and puts them in front of starburst starburst looks at you again and goes oats and just sticks his muzzle like his whole face into this bag of oats it doesn't you don't see him like moving his jaw in any way that would indicate eating it's more so that he's just got his face in there and he's just breathing in the smell of oats but maybe that's how he eats you're not entirely sure as he eats she kind of pats him 
gently and and looks around. Ziva, what is your passive perception again? It's an 18. With an 18 passive, you notice that there are a couple there's a couple dragonflies nearby. These bright blue dragonflies that seem to be only about like maybe a foot, two feet above your head, about eight feet away from you. And you grew up in a city, but you've spent enough time in the countryside to know that they don't stay that still. They seem to be looking directly at you. Ziva looks at them, thinks it's kind of weird, remembers something, and goes. her hand goes to the little pouch on her side, and she opens it, and she says, I do a very good job of feeding Starburst every morning, and sticks her hand in the pouch and pulls out a little butterfly net, and she uses it to try to catch one of them. I'm going to have you just roll a flat dex check, and I'm going to roll one as well. And that is a 19. With a 19, you swing your net and you catch this dragonfly. Uh, She peers at it for a moment through the mesh and then shrugs her shoulders and sticks it in her pouch. You want to put a living creature in your pouch of holding? Of course. (laughs) Everything else goes in there. Okay, cool. What would you like to do next? So Ziva uh, was a little annoyed by her whole interaction with Ivy's mom earlier. And, you know, the way that Ivy's mom seems a little cold towards Ivy. And also she kind of like referred to us all as objects. So Ziva is going to go back into the mansion and she's going to go hunting for some shoes. So you go back up through the basement. You go back to this grand gilded foyer and you see that there is a closet. I'll check the closet. You open up the closet. You don't really see a bunch of shoes. You see a bunch of really expensive looking coats. All right. No shoes in this closet. Not really sure where the shoes are right now. Uh, She will make a point to ask somebody about it. And in the meantime, she rummages in the coat pockets. You dig into this one coat and you find a stone and it's it's about the size of a fist but it really has as you pick it up it's lighter than air almost and before we move past that point let's jump back upstairs so ivy just said that um she knows that we're awake <laughs> yep there <Zara> snorts <laughs> alara sits up and she just kind of wipes her eyes and she looks at the both of them like back and forth and she goes um are we going to tell Ziva that Starburst doesn't need to eat? No, probably not. I'm not bursting her bubble. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he sits up, absently braids his hair while this conversation is going on. Okay, um, plan for today is to go see Titania, yeah? Yes. We're going to go see Titania and then probably start heading there. Anything we need to know to prepare to see the Queen of the Sealy Court? Stand very, very straight. No. Like, as straight as you possibly can. I think I do that anyway, but I appreciate it. <laughs> you could stand, like, a little straighter. Just, like, you know. Should I? All right. A little bit. Ivy laughs a bit and goes, no, honestly, as long as you're with me, you can kind of get away with anything. So, I mean, it's really not that big of a deal. I know that she's a god and whatever, but she's, she's more like my aunt than anything. He seems to be ha- struggling to reconcile the fact that she's both a queen and a god walking on a plane that they can interact with. Yeah, it's a bad 
makes in his head at the moment. It's like, there's a goddess who can speak to her. Cool. All right. Oh, I guess I should mention that she probably will speak to you in your head. Yes, thank you for warning me. <laughs> she nods. Also, I think that the idea of writing to Beatrice is a wonderful idea. Maybe you should take a journal with you. I think I will. I think you should. I mean, we all kind of do that, I believe. Write to somebody. Alara nods. Ivy thinks about it for a moment, and she takes a deep breath and goes, You know, I, um, I avoided writing, period, because every single time I tried to, I either felt emotionally constipated or I just couldn't turn anything off. But I think Ziva is right. I think she would appreciate it if I talked with her more. I think so as well. Did you want to see her picture? I would love to, if you don't mind. Um, she shows them the picture. I think Paris takes a moment to look at the picture, smiles a little bit, and he's like, you two make a beautiful couple. She smiles shyly. <laughs> it's the only time you've ever seen her look shy. Aww. He just smiles at her and gives her a little nudge and says, um, I'm going to go work out and perhaps with Lex Ziva afterwards. She takes a moment and then goes, yes, because you always work out and you always show everybody else up, so why not you? <laughs> I mean, you're welcome to join me. Alara says laughing. Well, joke's on you. You're going to need to learn to use that sword eventually. And when you do, and he's like at the doorway, and he's like, when you need to learn how to use it, I'm here. And he gives a two-fingered salute and heads out. <laughs> Alara's just like looking at Ivy and like mimicking him <laughs> as he walks out the door. <laughs> he, he leans back in with an arm through and gives her the middle finger. Oh, <laughs> how sweet. I think he likes you, Alara. <laughs> what? I think the middle finger means something different in the Fae. All right. So after that, we're going to follow Varys as he goes down to the main foyer. As you're approaching the very large gilded door, you notice that there's one closet, the door wide open, and you see only like the back half of Ziva sticking out of this closet as she's rummaging through these coats. He kind of like turns his head sideways like he's confused as to what the fuck Ziva thinks she's doing in somebody else's house. He's kind of amused. Doesn't think it wise to sneak up on her, though. So he makes as much noise as physically possible going down the stairs. Oh, Varys! Oh, hello. Do you know where rich people keep their shoes? I do, but do I want to know why you're asking? A prank. On? Uh, somebody who called us objects. Ah, a cell. Alright. Count me in. There's none in here, so I started checking out the the coat pockets because I know that sometimes people just like leave stuff in their coat pockets if they're lucky enough to have more than one coat and check out this rock I found oh when he looks at the rock I toss it to him oh he catches it hopefully uh, <laughs> but uh and he looks it over it's surprisingly lighter it doesn't feel like anything strange very strange maybe I'll ask Ivy about it later and she takes it and she puts it in the pouch and shuts the door. He chuckles. He's like, rich people tend to keep, if they're anything like the people back in Minthis, tend to keep their shoes in large closets upstairs in their rooms. And how do I tell which one is a person's favorite pair of shoes? Oh, it's usually the most cared for. 
Good to know. Where are you going? I was thinking about going outside for a little exercise. Do you want to try our routine again? I don't know. I ate shit last time we did this. <laughs> I promise not to land on you badly this time. I mean, sure. Let's give it a shot. So you both head outside. You're seeing kind of the front of Ivy's house for the first time, and you see that the doors open up into this very large courtyard area. There is a big fountain in the center and cobbled stones filling the area. If you leave the villa premises and just go a little bit down the hill, you see a very large open yet cluttered field not too far away. By cluttered, I mean that there is a variety of different workout equipment strewn about. You see free weights in random places. You see large logs that seem to be used for throwing different sort of gymnastics, balance beams, uneven bars, all set up outside and ready to ready to be used. And you don't see anything explicitly telling you not to use this space. Push-up contest? Sure. I thought we were going to practice this routine first, but I'm all for it. Oh, we're gonna do we're gonna do push-up contest first. All right. Okay, so with the push-up contest, we're gonna do um, opposing athletics. 23. That is an 11. <laughs> As Varys lands on the ground and just starts doing push-ups. One-handed. This is, yeah, he, he, he alternates between, like, diamond push-ups, one-handed push-ups, and then does ones where he, like, pushes up really hard and claps his hands. And Ziva, you're doing awesome. You're doing, you know, push-ups. You're doing them. Good job. Ziva eventually gets tired and sits on Varys. Hey. Before you guys go to do your routine... We're going to swing back upstairs and check in with the other two. I think after Varys gives me the middle finger, I think she'll just kind of look at Ivy um, and maybe look at where our hand was, where the pollen kind of made contact with her skin. And she'll go, have you been feeling okay since, you know, when uh, we were by the lake and everything? Yeah. Yes. Um, physically. Okay. Mentally. Uh, she looks up at the ceiling trying to think about how she wants to word this. Before she does, wait, Alara's gonna go, um, oh no, oh, sorry, you don't have to tell me, I take it back, because, you know, you can't lie, right? So if you don't want to tell me, then you don't have to. So you could just not say anything, if you- I was honestly trying to figure out if I wanted to make a joke. Oh. Or if I wanted to be serious. Okay. I think I'll be serious. It sucked, you know, and I think if- in some convoluted way. If I was any better off mentally, it would have really fucking destroyed me. But um, with her, she's already dead, you know? I, I already see her when I trance, so what's one more thing, you know? Yeah, um, I guess. I don't, I don't, um, I don't know your whole life deal, right? So I don't know if you've ever experienced the type of loss that rewrites who you are down to your DNA, it becomes a part of you. I think Alara nods. I think there's a lot of experiences that happen um, in our lives that become a part of us and, you know, shape who we are. And I'm sorry. I'm just really very sorry. You know, you were kind of forced to be really very vulnerable in front of me. Um, and I can't imagine what that feels like. So if you ever need to talk or anything, you know, I'm here. 
And like, don't feel weird or anything, because I, you know, I think it's totally okay that you were that way with me. I just hope that you're that you're okay, and 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 I think we're gonna be okay. We're gonna go and find Bia. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. This is all just very scary. So, can I ask you a question? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. What do I do if it's not okay? If Bia's not okay if I'm walking in to another life-altering death. I guess we don't really know, right? Um, if that is what's gonna happen. I guess you just hold on to us, you know? Um, and we will hold you up and we will get you through the best we can. And that's more than I ever had before, so thank you for, um, seeing a stuck-up bitch and still wanting to be her friend. Alara laughs. And I think she reaches over and she squeezes your hand. And then she goes, we should probably get them, right? And definitely eat breakfast because I'm super hungry, but we need to go see the queen um, and get on our way. Yes, yes. Who knows what kind of shenanigans they're getting into. <laughs> and she packs up her shit and goes. On that heartfelt note, we're going to end tonight's episode. Aww. Nice. Thanks for listening, everyone. We are so grateful for all of the continued support. If you want more content, check out our Ko-Fi, where you can leave a tip or subscribe to support the podcast. And you can get access to early episodes, the Rainbow Dice Club chat after show, character journals, deleted scenes, and so much more. Special thanks to our Green Fiend Ko-Fi supporters, Josh from Tabletop Journeys podcast and Michael. Don't forget to follow us on all socials at Rainbow Dice Club. And if you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a review. It helps us reach a lot more cool people like you. All right, friends. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. And just remember that wherever you are in your journey, you are valid, you are accepted, and you are welcome at our table. Bye. 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 Hey, everyone. Wayra here. Every month we select a charity to support. And when we consider the trauma our community is facing right now, it only felt right to bring back the Trevor Project. For those who aren't familiar, the Trevor Project provides support and crisis intervention to our LGBTQ2IA youth 24-7-365 days a year. They also conduct research, public education, and advocacy. The world is a scary place right now for our community. There is no question we've had a big setback in our history. We here at the Rainbow Dice Club will always be a safe space for every member of the LGBTQ2IA community, and that will never change. If there's anything the TTRPG community knows, it's that when one of our party members is attacked, we all roll for initiative. So, to all those who fight, we are with you. To all those who are still closeted and afraid, you are valid in your identity regardless of its visibility. To all those who are struggling, we hear you. If you need to step back and stay away from the events, that's okay. Rest and take the time you need. Know that you are not alone and these dark times in our history will not last forever. We hope you stick around with us to see it get better. Love you all and please remember that no matter where you are in your self-discovery journey, you are valid, you are loved, you are accepted, and you are always welcome at our table. It is I, Bertold, the podcasting warlock. I have once again been employed by the Unnatural One podcast to boost our numbers. My infernal magics have coalesced and brought us to this moment. 
an ad. Join our fearful heroes as they journey through a godless, broken land to reclaim their ancestral homes and from the forces of otherworldly chaos. Our fifth edition actual play podcast features a seasonal rotation of DMs, and those willing to consign themselves to the dark coven that is our Patreon will also be granted access to a wonderful catalog of one-shots, AMAs, and even a Discord server. If you enjoy the dark allure of fantasy violence with a sprinkle of dramatic storytelling, be sure to sample unnatural wherever you enjoy podcasts we upload every tuesday uh, even on holidays we, we don't get time off please see was like i thought i was done with the fucking dreams oh my god i forgot just you're gonna make me fucking cry jesus christ <laughs> I am crying. Fuck you. Oh, what the fuck, man? Dude. <laughs> I was like, it's okay. These are fictional characters. It's all good. And then in like the second you stopped, I'm like, I'm literally starting to cry here. Okay. Fast possibility. <laughs> Do you want I'm having a stroke, Ivy. Should we, should Ivy. we be concerned? <laughs> I don't know why I just said Ivy. <laughs> Ivy, are you all right? 